Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to remind you about another ESPN podcast. A dear friend of mine, Mina Kimes, and the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, we're going to have Mina Kimes on to talk about the Super Bowl next week after the game is over. So you can listen to Mina Kimes here or on her very show, where of course you know that Lenny's there. Lenny's not going to be on the Bill Barnwell show. Maggie is the only dog allowed on the Bill Barnwell show. Mina has great guests, great football conversations on her show each and every week. So subscribe to the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny and of course the Bill Barnwell show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We have two great guests today, Matt Bowen talking about the passing games when it comes to the Super Bowl. But first, joining me is going to be my friend Jeff Schwartz talking about the running games and the upcoming Super Bowl. So here's Jeff Schwartz. All right, joining me now, here as promised on the Bill Barnwell Show, a regular contributor to the show, one of the best in the business when it comes not just to football opinions, but also, of course, to knowing everything there is to know about NFL offensive lines, because not only is Jeff Schwartz the brother of a right tackle who is probably not playing in this game, Mitchell Schwartz, but an accomplished offensive lineman in his own right, someone who played under Andy Reid in the postseason before, perhaps a different offense to some extent with Alex Smith as opposed to Patrick Mahomes, but someone who follows the NFL closely, someone who follows offensive lines closely, an excellent follow on Twitter. It's my friend, Jeff Schwartz. Jeff, how are you? I am fantastic, and yeah, we uh, we had 400 yards passing that playoff game. It wasn't, you know, the ending wasn't great, but that was the beginning of this whole of this whole start to the off. I don't know. I'm just going to say that to myself. <laughs> and I watched Pat Mahomes run a. You know, I was talking to someone today about it. Like, it's just not fair what Pat can do. Like, I, I don't like. It's just. It's like, what do you? It's not fair. Like, I don't. There's no way to stop it, really. By the end of that game, Alex Smith is throwing deep to like the fourth string running back and the third string wide receiver because everyone else got it, hurt in it, that game. It's it's funny it's funny you mention that because it was Cyrus Gray, our third string running back, and um, we had a wheel route and he was wide open. It would have probably would have won us the game. It was mm-hmm. near the fourth. It was in the fourth quarter. If we scored there, it's over. But he missed him by half a yard. If that was Jamal Charles or, or Niall Davis or faster, mm-hmm. that's a touchdown. But like Alex had, probably hasn't thrown a pass all year to Cyrus Gray, but that's who was left standing in the fourth quarter of a playoff game. (laughs) That will happen sometimes. And of course, this leads us to the first thing we talk about today, Jeff, which is the Chiefs line, because they are not going to be 100% heading into Sunday. I mentioned Mitchell Schwartz. Of course, your brother has been out for most of the year with a back injury. uh, One of the best right tackles in the game. Uh, you know, played a huge role last year, not going to be on the field probably come Sunday. Eric Fisher, the starting left tackle for the Chiefs, tore his Achilles in the AFC Championship game. They've had injuries on the interior. We're going to be looking at multiple starters who are not on the field for the Chiefs, not in the same spot for the Chiefs in week one, including one guy, Stefan Wisniewski, who was on the Steelers in week one of the 2020 NFL season. So Jeff, in terms of the Injury issues happening here for the Chiefs. I mean, how dramatic of a drop-off would this be for, you know, a, a great offense to lose this many starters, this many people playing at a high level, and to have to deal with this in the Super Bowl? Well, it hasn't been a problem this year, which is which is the most surprising thing so far, right? I mean, there are there the metrics that you know that grade the Chiefs pass protection, not not that bad, right? You would think that having you know, it was three missing starters. 
um, until last weekend or two weekends ago would affect them, but it really hasn't. I think the the re the where it hasn't is is because of Pat Mahomes, right? And because right. of the ability of Pat to throw the ball, the ability of Andy Reid to scheme up throws that come out quickly, the ability to move the pocket, the ability for Pat to get out of the pocket. And I do mm-hmm. think though that at times Pat does have that sloppy footwork where he drops too deep in the pocket, and that can be a concern, especially this weekend. But I have to feel at some point it does matter, and maybe it matters this weekend, right? Not only are you having a, you know, a, a backup, you're going your third right tackle now, right? Because Andrew Wiley goes from right guard to right tackle. I'm going off of the lineup that we saw at the end of, of the Bills game. Now you mentioned Steven Wozniewski. Now he was the left guard last year for the championship team, but he has not been on the team until recently. He played out and plays right guard. Austin Ryder, the center, mm-hmm. he was actually benched this season, believe it or not. I think people yeah. don't remember that. But because of injuries, he had to come back. Your left guard is Nick Allegretti, who was supposed to be a backup this year, but KO got hurt against the Raiders. Mm-hmm. And now Mike Remmers goes from right tackle to left tackle for Eric Fisher, who got hurt. So all it's, it's not ideal to have these many moving parts. I think where it affects them specifically this game is, is two things. One, obviously, pass protection. It's not going to be as good. Mm-hmm. But two is I think Tampa – will sit back and play coverage. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I would imagine they're going to do a lot what Buffalo did in week six, which is five guys in the box, maybe six, because they have a great run defense and say, hey, man, we trust our defensive line and our, whoever's in the box, probably white, mm-hmm. to handle the run by themselves. And if they can do that, that puts the Chiefs in third and longer situations. And that allows them to rush, you know, to, to rush the pass a little bit more, to run some games, do some more unique things. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think it could affect them. You know, short yardage has not been the Chiefs' forte this year. No. Um, a, lo- a lot of times they just pass the ball, they roll pad out, you know, they sprint right option and mm-hmm. let him make a play or let Chad Eddie make a play. That's like their best fourth down pass. The best fourth down run is actually the speed option. Well, Mahomes yep. got hurt on against the Browns, mm-hmm. and it's a great play. People are like, why are they running it? Because it works. It's a great play, especially yes. in, in short yards when everyone's packed in the box. You run to the edge. You, you know, a lot of man coverage in those situations, a lot of zero. There's, you, know, you, you have someone typically a man, you know, man free somewhere. So um, that's where I think the situations where it's really going to hurt them. And, I, Bill, I, I, go, I go back to last year. You know, people mm-hmm. said or have been saying, well, there's no way the Bucs can stop them. Well, guys, the, the Chiefs had 10 points last year with seven minutes left in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It's not like they can't be stopped. The Niners just didn't finish that game offensively more than anything else. You know, right. They had chances to win that game offensively. And i got to imagine that Tom Brady hits a wide-open Kittle for seven yards on third and six because he knows that's where the ball's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that extends right. So I, I think that it's not impossible to do it. I think it's still going to be really tough. But that's the key for the game for Tampa. they got they got to rush Pat Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is, you know, what makes sense, right? I mean, they were a team that the first time these two teams played, they played a bunch of single high safety and Tyreek Hill nuked them. I mean, he had 269 yeah. and three touchdowns. They got torched. They could not hold up. Now in this game, they don't have to play single high. I mean, they don't have to play single high first off because the Chiefs are in a great running team and they don't have to get anything yeah. in the box. But you know, if you can get pressure with four, whether it's just rushing your front four, whether it's a sim pressure um, where you're bringing an extra guy in and dropping one of your guys off into coverage, you know, you can make, you can play seven, seven behind and play safe, comfortable coverages where, you know, you might leak something here and there. Mahomes might stretch you out and scramble and make a play that does happen because he's incredible, but um, you're going to be a lot safer than you would be 
in those single high coverages. And I, I think what's really interesting to me is that I went back and watched that Falcons game um, where we know the Falcons are not a great defense. They're okay. Uh, but they held the chiefs for most of that game. They really only allowed a late touchdown to give the chiefs the victory. And it was a better version of the offensive line. I think Fisher was playing that week. Um, Fisher's not playing this week, of course, but um, it was a lot of sim pressures. It was a lot of rushing for, yeah. you know, dropping two guys into, um, you know, uh, dropping two guys underneath, take care of the drag routes, take care of the easy completions, try to clog up those throwing lanes to Kelsey. And then a lot of safe, uh, secure coverages behind. And, you know, uh, Todd Bowles has had two weeks to prepare for this game and he's a very smart coach. I mean, he's not going to just come out and run yep. the same stuff around the first time. And again, I no stop. No, there was no way to stop the chiefs altogether for an entire game, but slow down. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's hardly out of the question given the injuries they have up front. You know, the the sim pressure is really interesting because I thought about that as well. I actually learned a lot about what sim pressures are after that game. I talked to, to Matt Bone about it. It's kind of fun to talk to him about, um, you know, what those what those are. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have worked in the past. Tennessee has has tried them before against against uh, against the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, the issue that I think the Bucks run into specifically is that you really don't have a D lineman. I mean, maybe Shaq Barrett, who's like a drop in the coverage guy. Like, do you want, would you rather have your linebackers pressuring or JPP? You right. have JPP pressuring, right? Like exactly. that's, I think the difference in some of the sim pressures is like, you don't want JPP chasing Tyreek Hill underneath. No. <laughs> like in like, in like, you know, in like a zone coverage, right? Like, so that's why I think that I don't think we're going to see some sim pressure. I think we might see them uh, sometimes just to right. kind of mix things up. I do think that, you have to, and we've seen, you know, the, the Belichick, the way he plays them and he's played them well at times is a lot of just different things. Right. And that's yeah. what Atlanta did well too. They, they were different. Every play, yeah. they just didn't sit in too high. They did some different things, but I think with Tampa Bay's pass rush, they might just keep it very simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's the thing, right? It all starts with that pass rush because if they can get pressure with four, you don't have to mix things up. You know, if you, if you can, you can rush for and succeed and get Mahomes off his spot and get him throwing the ball away or get him making frantic throws or rushing passes, which we saw he threw an interception like that in the Falcons game with the Dolphins. Um, great with the pressure Mahomes and, and, and get some interceptions and some uh, turnovers to happen. You know, you don't have to blitz. You don't have to send some pressures. You can really have your best players just rush the quarterback. And we've seen in years past, I know the, the Giants Patriots first Super Bowl comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah, you get your front four working, you know, you're still going to mix up coverages behind it. You're still going to try and slow down the processing for Mahomes like the the Giants did for Brady. But if you can do good stuff, you know, if you can play solid stuff behind and your pass rush is getting home, you're going to do well, even if it's the best offense maybe in the history of football, which the 2007 Giants might be. Um, Now, Jeff, from the chief side of things, if you're Andy Reid and you know, hey, I've got two backup tackles, the interior of my line's not very good, and they have a great front four, which I think the Buccaneers do. Um, when it comes to planning what you're going to do on offense, is it better to uh, you know, try and give those tackles help, whether it's extra tight ends, whether it's running backs, whether it's chips, stuff like that, or would it be better to spread them out and, and, and try and you know, force them to cover the entire yeah. length and width of the field? So the conventional, I guess, the conventional fan wisdom, I don't want to say because you, you know what I'm about to say, um, is pack everyone in, chip everyone, and, and make sure that you, know, you protect your, your tackles. Would you rather have Travis Kelsey blocking Pierre Paul or out on the route? Yeah. You'd rather have him out on the route, right? So, like, the reason why 
the, the actual best way to combat pressure is spreading everyone out on defense by via your formation. So the offense also is very spread. It does a couple of things. One is it declares a defense. If when you are spread out, your defense cannot hide. They can't rotate late. I mean, they can. It just makes things tougher for them. They have to get farther to a certain place. Um, and you're able to get four or five guys out immediately in a route now and find a hole in the defense that might not be there if you only have three or four guys mm-hmm. out in the route. And we've seen – and really, the team has done it the best is New England. If you watch mm-hmm. Tom Brady for all the years in New England, whenever they played a Broncos, a Ravens, they just spread everyone out. I said, hey, man, we're going to throw the ball quickly. We're going to make you pass. We're going to tire you out. But you're not going to get home. And that's what I think Andy Reid will do. I mean, I, I just – he's not going to – Andy Reid doesn't want to run the football anyway. Mm-hmm. And this is another excuse for him not to run the football, right? Like, it, it, so it's, it's not even – like, the choosers aren't going to do it. They're just not going to – they might do it to keep them honest. They might RPO Tampa to death, which is the first game. But they're not going to come out with a game plan to just to just run the football. Like, that's not what they're going to do. So, I think we're going to see a lot of empty, a lot of a lot of um, jet uh, jet sweep plays, just getting to the edge. I think we're going to see some some sort of – I don't I hate calling them bubble screens, but just kind of quick – quick throws uh, to, to the edge to supplement the run game, mm-hmm. some tosses. We're not going to see a lot of, of running between the tackles. Yeah, I mean, I um, it's so funny. My next question for you was going to be, if you were Andy Reid, would you run the ball at all in this game? Um, but you fortunately prefers that for me. I, I mean, I think there's a lot of always discussion about running the football on, on the Twitter app. Um, look, I think there's, there's benefits to running the football. I'm not, not going to spend my day discussing all of them but i think that the you know like the, the the physicality of running the football is a good tone setter for your offensive line it really is and if you and i played on offensive lines and, and teams that were pass first and this is not kind of not as physical like mm-hmm. and, and and the chiefs offensive line has always been physical under Andy Reid because there is still some semblance of running the football there is still okay. some semblance of beating up your opponent andy hector offensive line coach really does hammer that home so i do there are some benefits to running the football. And, and namely, too, this is another one I don't think people talk about as much, is that, you know, if you go three and out two mm-hmm. or three times in a row, your defense is pretty tired. Like, even just running the ball to get five yards twice in a row mm-hmm. and getting one first down helps your defense sit on the sit on the bench. is actually very important. So there's some – and there's other things, too, as well, about running the football that uh, I won't bore everyone with. But there's a, there are some advantages to still doing it. So passing the ball 60 times – is probably not what the Chiefs want to do. Uh, now, you might see that because of, of, of RPOs, right? It kind of skews right. the numbers sometimes. Um, but I think they're still going to try to run the football, just not very often. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that even though this is the best run defense in football, even though this is a Chiefs team that I think is last in power situations, like you want to be judicious about when you run the football. And, and certainly you want to keep the opposing team off balance. You want to be running when they're expecting you to pass and you're in situations where, you know, it's not third yeah. or forever or something. Um, and, you know, I, they, I mean, the question becomes, I was going to say, when you said that, like, is, is Tampa going to break their first down rushing tendencies in this game? I will get to that in a second. I have a question for you about this very time. Okay. But I, I want okay, to ask good. you one more question. <laughs> about the, one more question about the chiefs here. Uh, actually, no, two more questions about the chiefs here. So first and foremost, Last week, you watched that Bucks packers game, and the Bucks got pressure on Aaron Rodgers and slowed down Aaron Rodgers. And that was a line where the Packers had subpar tackles um, with Billy Turner and Ricky Wagner, and those guys really struggled in this game. 
How much different is it to rush Aaron Rodgers from the Bucks' perspective as opposed to Patrick Mahomes? So I, I had Chris Long on my podcast, uh, Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you, and I feel weird saying that because um, on your show specifically because I could not, I can't even search for a stat on Pro Football Reference without, without texting Bill. Be like, Bill, I can't just, I can't, I don't know how to do this. Can you just, can you do it for me? So I feel, I feel not very smart telling you like, oh, on my podcast. Um, but I, I think that, um, you know, Chris, and Chris brought this up. It was great to hear him talk about it, is that when you rush Pam Mahomes, and, and get Aaron Rodgers is insane ass, it was, was it, you cannot let him escape to his throw hands. You cannot let him escape to his right. So you have to rush the passer with that idea. Um, and I think that Tampa did a good job of that. Is what, basically what they did is they took the, – basically Dominic and Sue rushed over the right guard. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of pushed himself as best as possible to Aaron Rodgers but still keeping his outside arm free. If Rodgers wants to escape that way, he could go get him. Mm-hmm. JPP then – he, he rushed, if you notice, he rushed down the middle to inside a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And so by doing that, and, and Sue kind of rushing very up the field, it kind of forced Rodgers to try to go back out the pocket. Well, then Shaq Barrett ran high. Mm-hmm. And so they, they, you, you, there is some method to the badness in how they rush. There's a co- very coordinated rushes to make sure that Rodgers didn't get out of the pocket. And, and that's what Tampa has to do this weekend with Pat Mahomes. They have to coordinate the rushes and be very – very patient. That's the hard part about playing a guy like Pat Mahomes is the second you're impatient, the second you decide to not do what you're coached to do, or you try to take a shot, mm-hmm. if you don't get there, it becomes a huge play for the Chiefs. Right. And Mahomes is certainly someone who can, you know, make people pay for taking a poor rush lane or, you know, leaving uh, an opportunity to scramble. And I think if they play a lot of too high, um, you know, that may be a way the Chiefs move the ball if they are struggling to hit anything deep is half a home scrambling and hit some plays there. Um, last question for you about the Chiefs, and we'll move on to the Bucks quickly. In terms of the weather for this game, we're hearing reports of thunderstorms, um, possibly a wet surface. Does that help uh, a struggling offensive line or an inexperienced offensive line, or does it help them? Um, I mean, it's slow to pass rush down uh, if it's wet. Um Help it doesn't rain. I want to. I want the Super Bowl to have the best playing conditions possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it matters for just. It's easier for the offensive line, surely, when the field is sloppy. But I don't want it to be sloppy. I want it to just be perfect weather. Right. That's why you have this in Tampa Bay. Right. It makes sense. Um, I. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I. I feel like rain is always kind of overrated to me when it comes to really impacting the game all that much. You know, I always hear like, oh, it's going to make a big difference. Wind matters. Snow matters. Rain. I mean, you know, maybe here and there you might have someone slip, but I really don't think it makes uh, on a, on a macro level that much of a difference. I feel like the total is going to move dramatically or, um, you know, that it might change things differently. It downpours. If it pours yeah, right, rain, it exactly. matters. Right. But otherwise it doesn't know. Right. Like a drizzle is going to be whatever. Um, on the Bucs side of things, because we talked about the Chiefs, obviously some injuries there. For the Bucs on the offensive line, three, to me at least, I don't know how you feel, superstars. Uh, Ali Marpet at left guard, uh, yep. Ryan Jensen at center, Tristan Wirfs at right tackle. Three phenomenal football players. The other two guys, mm, not, not quite as great. Donovan Smith at left tackle, a veteran, but a guy who I think second in the league in penalties this year. And then out of nowhere, I mean, this is such a crazy story. Aaron Stinney out of Old Dominion, I believe. A guy who was on the Tennessee practice squad last year, 
bounced over to Tampa Bay, was a backup for most of the season. But now, as Alex Kappa gets hurt, he is starting in the Super Bowl. It started the past two weeks, is now starting in the Super Bowl. So how do the Chiefs attack those two relative weak points in the Tampa Bay offensive line? Well, sorry for Aaron Stinney. You have Chris Jones this weekend. And um, <laughs> Chris Jones plays well in big games. Um, he lives for this. He, and he, him and Tom Brady have gone back and forth many a times uh, when they played so far. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to have to find ways to get him help as much as possible. And, and defenses are, are so good now at making sure the center can't slide in a certain direction, the way they align uh, their their defense up. And so – Ryan's got to get over there and help him out. Or Tristan Wirfs has got to set a little vertical and help him out um, and make it happen. I, um, Ryan and Chris Jones are going to fight. I don't know when it's going to happen. Um, it's at some point going to happen. I just don't know when. I'm going to guess like probably end of first half is when they're going to just like start throwing fists at each other. And, okay. you know, I hope neither gets ejected. But there's going to be so – one of those two will get a personal foul. I, I would actually my money on Chris Jones getting it, not Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan's able to bait a lot of these defenders into it. I just can't wait because Brian Jensen, their center, is just like uh, he's a beautiful human. <laughs> he's just so slop. Like I, I remember talking a couple of years ago about about his play. He's like, "Yeah, man, I'm not I'm not very pretty. I don't play the game pretty, but I get the job done." And you watch him like his his footwork is not good. You'd never be like, "Hey, copy his footwork here." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is obviously his snaps sometimes aren't the, aren't the greatest. Even though I feel like. Trey Aikman goes out of his way to kill his snaps. I don't really, I never really understood that. Like, it's, he just goes out of his way to crush them. Um, and, you know, just like sloppy looking, right? Got the, the, the arm brace on and the red hair phone everywhere. And, um, but man, he is a violent player. Like, he tries to make life hell for the defense. And he will, he's always the guy who gives the last shove, the last push. And, you know, he takes joy in, making defenders hate him. And when a defender is worried about Ryan, they're not worried about the play, right? And when they're more worried, if Chris Jones, let's use it for example, is more worried about is Ryan coming to hit me a little bit late or is Ryan coming for my ribs or is Ryan coming to talk shit? He's not worried about trying to beat the guy in front of him. Mm-hmm. And that's why he does it. That's the reason why. And it works really well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that matchup. And I'll, I'll wrap this up with Dolphin Smith at left tackle. You know, I, I don't like calling people players lazy because I, I don't I think it's kind of unfair, but he doesn't finish plays very well sometimes. And Frank Clark has not had the best season, but Frank Clark does play to the whistle. And if Donovan Smith doesn't play to the whistle, Frank Clark might have a couple hits on Tom Brady. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm really curious if, if Tampa will design a game plan to throw the ball quickly, which the Chiefs probably know as well. Um, I'm very excited to look forward to um, – to uh, you know that that Spags Brady matchup. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's I think the most exciting part of this game for me um, is seeing how Spagnuolo is going to try and stop Brady in this this uh, you know Bucks passing attack. In terms of the Bucks running the football, because obviously they've had some success. We've seen uh, playoff Lenny Leonard Fournette step in here for Tampa. Oh yeah. Um, so on football Twitter this week, and this is why I'm coming to you as a a guru about NFL running games, NFL offensive lines. There's been conversation about the Bucks having a really small rushing attack, that they might have really do. no fewer than, no more than like three plays in their playbook. Is that surprising to you? Is that meaningful? Is that common? Like, like, like 
Like if I were to say that to me, that would be shocking because playbooks are big and you got to figure there's a lot of running plays in there, but it seems like for the bucks, that's not the case. Yeah. They run a duo and weak zone and uh, duo again. (laughs) And maybe, maybe weak zone, the fifth run. Um, They don't ever pull guards barely. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, um, it's pretty impressive how short they keep the menu. Um, and I'm, uh, it, it's so surprising what they're trying to do. I mean, do they, I'm trying to do like, they, they, they run, they never run like a counter. They never do that either. Right. Like, they don't do any, they just keep it very simple. They run some tosses every now and then, right. To keep teams off, especially in man coverage. It's, it's a great play against man coverage. They ran that against, against the Bucks. Um, I mean, the Packers to, yep. uh, to steal the game away. Um, and I think the reason why they do that is because they do have just kind of big bruising guards and just want to move everyone forward, mm-hmm. uh, especially in duo. And those are great plays to run play action off of. And that's, I think, why they do it as well. They're um, just trying to keep Brady in the same spot. He doesn't have to move very much. He's not, you know, they're not doing a, a, you know, an outside zone bootleg. Mm-hmm. It's just show the ball, boom, pop up, hit the tight end over the middle off a duo play fake. And so there's no surprise what they're going to try to do in the run game. It's just a, a matter of whether they're going to change their tendencies and not run the ball every first down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that one of the props I bet for the Super Bowl this year, I mentioned that my college podcast with Robert Mays was um, that the first play of the game would not be a first down. And that's because the bucks are comfortable favorites. I think to come with the ball to start because the chiefs almost always defer and like the first like on first and 10 in the first quarter this year, the Bucks have not gotten the first down like 89% of the time. They're almost always running the football for like three yards. Now, granted, if there was ever a time to, you know, play fake and, and chuck one up, it would be in the Super Bowl on first down on the first play. But I think that they are going to be running the ball on first down. It seems to be their strategy. And unlike the defense, I think Todd Bowles is a very creative guy from week to week. Bruce Arians is a great head coach and a great, um, you know, offensive mind, but maybe I'm wrong here. It feels like they're more about just, hey, we're going to run what we want to run and we're going to dare you to stop it. And we don't think you can. They've done that a lot this year. I think offensively, though, they've done a good job of, of kind of catering the, the the pass game more to Tom Brady lately, right? More right, motion, yeah. more play action pass. Um, you know, but t- I think it took them a while to do that. It took them a while to kind of find their rhythm. But yeah, they're very much like Andy Reid. And Spags, I think, are very game plan specific, right? They're like, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, be unique to what we could do this week. We have our principles, obviously, that we like. Uh, Tampa doesn't feel that way, especially offensively. However, I thought last week—I keep saying last week—but the Packers game, mm-hmm. Tampa was very creative in the play action pass. They, they had, you know, the, the first and ten play action pass with about two minutes left. They had that big third down where the tight end leaked out. Mm-hmm. Like they did a, a better job than usual, I think, of of making creative you know, creative plays out of their offense. I have to think this weekend they're going to have everything up they can. And you're right. The first play of the game, they come out and run the football. Chiefs will be like, oh, here we go again. The second first down, they run a play-action pass. I mean, wide open. I think the first play would be too obvious. I'm sure Spag is like, guys, they run the ball so they run the ball so much on first down. Watch out for the pass. Watch out for the pass. They're going to fool us this week. And then they hit the play action pass on the second or third first down. I'm curious mm-hmm. to see how the Chiefs play 12 personnel because last mm-hmm. week they played basically the kind of big safety defense, right? That 4-1-6 with, with a bunch of safeties in the game. 
you know, are they going to play that same defense against Cameron Brayton, Rob Gronkowski? I'm curious to find out. Yeah, that is in my preview that's going up tomorrow, actually. A uh, decent chunk of that is about how they play 12 personnel because they've mixed it up. They've played some nickel during the regular season. A tiny bit of dime with that, like you said, that that big safety. Um, but also, usually, uh, they're about, about 45-45 base nickel. So I'll be intrigued to see how they play that as well. And the Bucks might end up dictating that because, of course, Rob Gronkowski is not your typical tight end when it comes to blocking. That may change. Um, how many defensive backs they want to have in the field when it comes to the Bucks attack. Now, Jeff, uh, I'm, I'm asking Matt Bowen who he's going to pick in this game. I feel like asking you who you're going to pick is maybe a little unfair, given that you have a personal rooting interest in this game. But how do you think this game will go? Who do you think is going to win? Well, I, obviously, uh, any chance you're going to win. Um, here's the way I've been defining this game. And I went on uh, you know, Mina's podcast yesterday and kind of said the same thing. And I've also on my podcast as well is, you know, there's more avenues for the Chiefs to win this game, right? They can play a B game and still win this. If they play yep. an A game, I think it's hard for Tampa to win this game. Tampa needs many more things to go right. And they certainly can go right, mm-hmm. right? But they need, right. they need many things to go right to make this happen. So that's why I like the Chiefs. Again, is there's, there's many ways – for them to win, uh, the, the Bucks need many things to happen for them to win. But I'll end with this. I thought Tampa would lose to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I thought they would lose to the Packers. <laughs> so, um, you know, I thought their DVOA ranking this year was a little bit high for what I kind of thought their play was. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we kind of look like fools now because Aaron was right with his, with his rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's hard for me just to say, like, they're going to lose because I keep saying that and they keep winning. But I do feel comfortable with taking the better team than the Chiefs. I mean, here's what I would say. Last year, I picked the Niners. And I picked them because they were better at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football. They had a great running game. And it was easy to see, you know, how they could control the game. And for three quarters, man, I felt smart. I was just like, this is going exactly as I planned. I'm a genius. Just going to start, you know, cashing all these bets, feeling great. And then the fourth quarter happened. And things changed. And, you know, they were they were pretty much perfect, not perfect, but close to perfect for three. And even like th- even into the fourth quarter, they were doing great. And then that happened. And that entire game, I had to sit there and I watched Patrick Mahomes. And every single snap, I'm just like, really hope Patrick Mahomes does not do something incredible on this play. Number one, that's right. a, bad, a bad game to play because you know he's going to do it. And number two, it's not a fun game to play because it's always fun to root for Patrick Mahomes because he's incredible. So I swore to myself. Correct. If and when the Chiefs make it back to the Super Bowl, I'm not going to do this to myself. I'm not going to pick against the Chiefs. I'm not going to uh, have to sit here for three hours hoping Patrick Mahomes does not do something incredible. So I picked the Chiefs before the season. I am picking the Chiefs again now. And that's the thing about the Chiefs and playing the Chiefs is, is, you know, Tampa can be up all game. It just takes like three plays for them to just back in the game, just like we saw last year. And that's the hard part about playing them. That's why, again, like it can happen, but it's much tougher for Tampa. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Jeff, you are all over the place. You have like 73, 73 things go up each week, but as many of them has come to mind for you now, please tell people where they can check out more of your analysis heading yeah. into the Super Bowl. Yeah. At Jeff Schwartz on Twitter, it's Jeff with a G. My podcast, Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you. And then, uh, you know, on my Twitter, I have uh, clips of those as well, but also, uh, for foxsports.com, I write and do some gambling stuff for them. I should have some some fun prop stuff up pretty soon. There's a lot of uh, cool props to get into for Super Bowl, obviously. It can be very overwhelming, too. There's a lot happening, but 
I found a, 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 about 12 or 13 of them I really like. And you were on Mina's show this week as well. I was on Mina's show, yes. We had a lot of fun. Um, we, you know, we talked about the trade, obviously. I don't, Bill, I don't know how you do the grades, man. Like, <laughs> grading trades in free agency is just the worst thing of all time. But obviously the fans love it. They need it. And you provide them with that service. Literally, I mean, you know, like it's, it's almost impossible. And I get stuff wrong all the time. But at least when I get stuff wrong, hopefully I get an idea of what I got wrong. And I can at least grade the money side of things. Because at least the money side of things stands out where I can say, okay, well, you know, if this guy is the 15th best, you know, guard in the league to me and he's getting paid like a top two guard, that's probably not a great contract. Well, yeah, and, and you know, and you know, social media, like, no one ever tells you when you're wrong. So, <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no point ever getting, you know, if you get a grade wrong, like, so be it. You live, you know, it's just Twitter is a, a place that's very judgment free. Yeah, well, I'll put it this way. I've, I've had Twitter tell me this week that Baker Mayfield is better than Deshaun Watson. Uh, I've had hundreds yeah, of people tell me We that. don't have enough time for this. We don't have enough time for this conversation, Bill. I'm, I've had a good day today, and I'm going to be very upset having this conversation. That is another podcast for another day. But, Jeff Schwartz, always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks for coming on. I'll take care, bud. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8 Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right. Joining me now, as promised here on the Bill Barnwell Show, one of the best in the business. A guy who I turn to every single week, who always makes me smarter. One of the nicest guys in the business, but also a guy who knows more about this than pretty much anyone else on the planet, in my opinion, in terms of talking about stuff on a week-to-week basis when it comes to the National Football League, because of understanding the passing game, stopping the passing game, and that's what we're going to talk about with him today. It's my friend, Matt Bowen. Matt, how are you? I'm doing great, Bill. What's going on? We got a Super Bowl to talk about. This is great. We got two exciting teams, two exciting offenses, two exciting defenses, a lot of different ways this could go in terms of like game plans here. I feel like a lot of fascinating stuff to discuss. And so I wanted to have you on because I know you think so much about the passing game, about how these modern offenses, you know, are, can be defended, how they can be approached as a former safety. Uh, of course, you're thinking about that side of things. Um, but you also know the offensive side of things so well uh, and the counters and the back and forth. So I wanted to have you on and talk about how these two defensive coordinators might think about stopping the opposing offenses in this game. So let's start with Tampa Bay. Let's start with Todd Bowles. And I think the place you start when you're thinking about what happens between these two teams earlier in the season is Tyreek Hill. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. 269 receiving yards, three touchdowns. So going back to that game, Matt, what went wrong for the Buccaneers the first time around? And how do you think they correct it in this rematch in the Super Bowl? Yeah, and that's something we're going to hit on on the matchup show. Our, you know, our Super Bowl matchup show will be Sunday morning, 8.30 ESPN, and we actually just taped it today. Uh, and I did a piece. I did two, two plays in that game, Bill, and one of them was the deep over out to Tyreek Hill mm-hmm. versus single high man coverage and with pressure. 
And the second one was a boundary vertical versus cover two. Mm -hmm. And I think the first one is where you need to start because if you're going to play man coverage against the Kansas city chiefs, there's two things you have to have. You have to have a matchup for Tyree kill. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, in my opinion, you have to have a matchup for Travis Kelsey. Mm -hmm. And that's the toughest thing about defending the Kansas city chiefs is what is your matchup for Kelsey? But as we saw in that game too, you know, if you're Tampa right now and you want to play single high man coverage, you're, you're almost inviting a repeat of what happened in that week 12 football game. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think Carlton Davis, based on his physical traits, when I look at Carlton Davis, I see a long physical corner who's got those physical coverage traits, especially at the line of scrimmage. That's mm-hmm. where he wins a lot of his reps. But he doesn't have the recovery speed to match Tyreek Hill, especially on a deep over that's running away from him. Mm-hmm. And you saw the explosive plays in that football game, Bill, were versus basically single high coverage early yeah. in that game. It was the deep over out to Tyreek Hill. It was a deep double move um, uh, versus cover three. Mm-hmm. And those are single high matchups. And it doesn't matter if it's zone or man. If you're a cover three corner and you have an outside vertical pressing down the field, you're matching to that vertical. That's, right. that's your responsibility in the outside one-third of the coverage. I think how Tampa got back into that football game from a defensive perspective was to play more split safety coverages. Mm-hmm. And that's what they really are. If you look at Todd Bowles' defense over the course of the season, obviously they're a big pressure team. We understand that. But they are a split safety heavy football team. They don't play a ton of man coverage. They did early in that game. They got out of it. You know, that's mm-hmm. smart coach. Look, we don't have the matchups. We're going to get out of it. We're not going to heat up the quarterback as much either because mm-hmm. when you heat up Patrick Mahomes, I think you're inviting trouble as well. Uh, but when they got to those split safety coverages, now what you can do out of split safety one, it gives you two safeties over the top, as everyone understands that, whether you're playing cover two, which is two deep five under, or you're playing quarters, mm-hmm. which is four deep three under. But it's how they play their quarters. And I think this is very important. We've seen teams do it to Kansas City throughout the year. Teams have had some success against Kansas City throughout the year because you're not going to completely shut them down. I think if you go into that from a coaching perspective, you're thinking the wrong way. You're not going to completely limit Patrick Mahomes. But can you limit certain aspects of his game? I think one of them is the vertical ability or the explosive playability of this offense. And when you play quarters, you know you have to stop three-by-one sets. All right? that's, what, I mean, that's a staple of Andy Reid's offense is the yep. three-by-one set. And what they do with that, as you know, is they're going to try to occupy backside defenders, and then they're going to bring Hill or Hardman across the field. So mm-hmm. what Tampa did in that second half a couple of times that I thought was really good coaching is they play what I call quarters lock. And what quarters lock tells you is, okay, we're going to, we're going to have Travis Kelsey, the backside who lines that backside X receiver. We're going to lock him up. Mm-hmm. We're going to match him. And what that tells you, Bill, is now your quarters say to that side, hey, go look for work. Be a football player. Mm-hmm. Now you push to the front side. You can carry number three vertical. Maybe that's Tyree Kill. If you have a single vertical from the slot, now you can squeeze that vertical down the field with two safeties over the top. Mm-hmm. I think where teams are getting that from, if you go back, look, if I'm Todd Bowles, and obviously the Week 12 game is important. You can't pretend it didn't happen. Sure. There's things you can learn from that game. But if I'm Todd Bowles, the first tapes I would have watched, early season, Kansas City versus the Chargers, mm-hmm. early season, Kansas City versus Vegas. Those teams had some success in limiting those explosive plays down right. the field. And what they really did, Bill, is that, you know, they, they played a lot of zone coverage. Mm-hmm. They played a lot of zone coverage. I know this is going to sound incredibly boring. Okay. <laughs> this is sound really boring. But if you can stay on top of vertical routes down the field mm-hmm. and your linebackers can get to depth, you know, to cushion those intermediate over routes and crosses, 
and you're trying to force the football underneath. And the reason they can do that is because of their defensive front right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really one of the, the biggest matchups in this football game is you're going against a depleted Kansas City offensive line mm-hmm. who is playing backup tackles. That's what they're doing. They're playing backup tackles. And you have JPP and Shaq Barrett. You got Sue and Bea inside who could push the pocket. And if you go back to the NFC Championship against Aaron Rodgers, all five of their sacks came from four-man rushes, all five mm-hmm. of them. And you're saying, well, Todd Bowles blitzes a lot. I know Todd Bowles is going to blitz a lot. You know, that's what his, his resume is. But in these games, when you're playing against elite talent at the quarterback position, that's what, you, what you're looking at with Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, you dial down the blitz rate a little bit. Mm-hmm. I went back in my notes, Bill, and including the playoffs, the Bucks blitz rate is 38.6. Mm-hmm. That's a high blitz rate. Yeah. You go back to the Week 12 game against the Chiefs, that, that blitz rate drops to 24.1%. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it's going to be around that because you're going to play more coverage than this. You're going to try to you know, put a top in that secondary to limit the explosive playability down the field, and you're going to isolate your defensive front. So how do you isolate your defensive front? Well, you do it by alignment. Mm-hmm. We broke it down in the matchup. So it's another key aspect to the show this week is how do they scheme or isolate the one-on-ones on the edge? And that's what you have to do because when you rush Patrick Mahomes, you know he's going to move, right, Bill? You know he's Patrick gonna go, Mahomes. He's going to go anywhere on any given play. Anywhere, right? And he'll voluntarily go outside of structure. Why? Because he can. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Again, that sounds boring. If look, you know, I coach at the high school level. Mm-hmm. I couldn't coach a high school kid to do that. No, you, you can't. You can't teach that <laughs> stuff because you have to have the natural ability to do that, right? right. And, and his his ability is so off the charts. And he can throw from any platform. It's elite. I mean, he has elite second reaction ability. It's what he does. So you know he's going to move. Can you squeeze the pocket? Can you squeeze the pocket? And that's going to be a big aspect of this game because of the matchup advantages they have up front. Um, And, you know, one thing I was thinking about today before we got on is you go back to last year. I remember we did this play for the matchup Super Bowl show last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they were playing the Chargers late in the season, they went three by one. They really reduced that split of Kelsey. The reason mm-hmm. they did that was a chip on Bosa, right? Mm-hmm. Chip on Bosa before you get out. Use the back. Chip on the opposite end before you get out. Oh, do we see more of that in this football game? And the reason we would see that is early that the Tampa Bay defensive front is starting to create, create havoc, mm-hmm. starting to squeeze the pocket, keep Mahomes in there, forcing the ball to come out quicker than they wanted to. That might be one adjustment. Randy Reed to say, look, we're not going to get five out into the route immediately. We're going to chip and then get out into the route. And I have answers for that by doing that and within the route concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we saw a little bit in the Browns game, right? Early in that game, where you have Miles Garrett with a mismatch against Mike Remmers, who's on the right side, then now on the left side. We saw a lot of jet sweeps. We saw a lot of tap passes. We saw stuff that horizontally, even if they couldn't block Miles Garrett, well, we're going to read you. We're going to run around you. We're going to outflank you. And you might make the tackle, mm-hmm. but hey, you're going to make the tackle 42 yards downfield. We're going to be feeling good about right. what happened on this play. Um, some Another team that came to mind for me in watching stuff before this game, and I'm not going to pretend... I, I am the I am the guy reading stuff on WebMD. You are the professional surgeon here. So I want to defer to you on this one. But one of the teams that stood out to me were the Atlanta Falcons, who we don't think of the Falcons as a classically great defense, but they did a really good job yeah. against the Chiefs in week 16. And what we saw them do, at least to my eyes, were um, a lot of crowd in the line of scrimmage, a lot of mug looks with, with both linebackers in the A-gaps, a lot right. of, um, you know, having sort of every offensive line prepared to have a guy coming at them and then sometimes blitzing, sometimes zone blitzes, but 
a lot of sim pressures where you'd have four guys rushing, yeah. but you'd have someone drop off. You'd have two guys as the hook defenders and you'd play safe coverages behind. And that really, you know, it seemed to slow down the, the, the chiefs. They had some trouble protecting against those sim pressures. So do you think we'll see some of that from the bucks in this game? I think you have to, I think you have to, as much as I talk about, you know, playing disciplined zone coverage, alignment, assignment, responsibility. And I truly believe in that, but you, you have to make Mahomes work. You have to. You have to make any quarterback work, but especially in a game on this stage, you have to make them work a little bit. What I mean by that is give them something pre-snap that's not going to be their post-snap. Yep. And that's what sim pressures allow you to do. That's what sim pressures allow you to do. And the best way to describe sim pressures is to simulate a pressure. You're getting to a four-man rush. Mm-hmm. You don't know where it's coming from. And that's what Atlanta did. Todd Bowles will do that. It's on the tape. We've seen it on the tape from Todd Bowles. And with all our defensive backs up and healthy, it'll probably be Sean Murphy bunting off the slot. Mm-hmm. Okay, you bring Murphy bunting off the slot, you drop JPP. And I think you might see more of that, Bill, in the red zone. The reason I say that is because you're just trying to get more bodies. You're trying to heat up the pocket a little bit, create confusion and protection, get a free runner mm-hmm. off that simulated pressure, and also get another body at the second level where he can get someone into a throwing lane and muddy those throwing lanes for Patrick Mahomes. But I do think you have to bring some pressure. I do. I, I agree 100%. But that's the, that's the key point. I'm okay as a defensive coordinator bringing some pressure and rushing four. Right. I, I feel a little nervous going five and six at Mahomes. I do. Yes, of course I don't you think should. you can go five and six at Mahomes. I, I, don't, I just don't think that's good football. And look, maybe you get home one or two times. Maybe you do. But the other times... Hey, you know, especially with the, because it goes back to what we're talking about, Bill. Drawing up a blitz on a, jock, on a chalkboard is really cool, right? Mm-hmm. And we can all do it. It looks great. You got guys moving everywhere. You're creating chaos. You still got to match up in the back end. Yeah. Because what if it doesn't get home? <laughs> that's <laughs> my always thing with blitzing. What if it doesn't get there? Well, that goes back to what we talked about before in terms of if you're bringing a zone pressure and you're bringing five, that really mm-hmm. turns into man match down the field. Right. And now you're in the same predicament we talked about earlier with a single high safety in the middle of the field in the post. And you have your corners trying to match up to Hardman and Hill. And that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Now, you brought up the red zone. And I want to talk about that because I think my perspective on the red zone is very different from your perspective on the red zone. Um, in terms of the Chiefs, first and foremost, they have been a good red zone team during the regular season. Not great, but good. They have been unstoppable. Mm-hmm. For most of the postseason games they have played, they were nearly perfect against the Patriots uh, a couple of years ago. They're nearly perfect against the Colts in 2018, 2019, like first seven times they get in the red zone against the Texans, they score a touchdown. They launched their comebacks against Tennessee, against the Niners with dominance in the red zone. They were five of five last time out against the Bills in the red zone. The Browns, the only team so far in the postseason during the Mahomes era to slow down the Chiefs in the red zone, two of five, I think really two of four because Henny was in for the last one, but you know, even two of four was a success for the Browns in the postseason. But you go back to week 12, Buccaneers, even though they allowed Tyree Kill to go for 269 and three, only allowed 27 points in that game because they held the Chiefs to zero touchdowns in three red zone trips. So I am always the person who says, oh, the red zone is random and you know, you're looking at a small sample of plays and you got to just account for the overall offense. That's going to be a better indicator than, you know, how a team plays in the red zone. But I know there's more to it than that. So from your perspective, is there anything you think the Bucks can do in the red zone to try and recreate what they got that last time out against the Chiefs? Or is it just going to be about, you know, something as simple as, hey, if they win on their one of the matchups, that's all you can really do. 
No, I think we already hit on one point, and that's to bring sim pressure, especially in the high red zone. I would, that's why I'd bring sim pressure in the high red zone, 10 to 20 yard line, yep. to get an extra body at the second level to eliminate crossers and inbreakers. Um, also, I'd play a bunch of quarters. I'd play a bunch of quarters. Yep. I love quarters in the red zone. I absolutely love it because, from the safety perspective, Bill, you can't get beat over the top, right? right. I mean, you really can't. There's just not enough room back there. Mm-hmm. You got help from the end line. So, what I'm talking about with quarters, in the red zone and become almost becomes like a double bracket at time. What you, what I mean by that is your quarter safeties can drive top down and anything. They can help on number one. They can sit in throwing windows and in breakers. They can run the alley and run support and anything that bounces to the edge. I think your safety is the most critical part of that in the red zone. The tough part about Kansas city is that they can stretch you horizontally now. And that's the toughest part about it. It's the horizontal stretchability and the misdirection element on top of it as well. And, the amount of creativity they use in the red zone, I think, is off the charts because they're going to have counteraction going the opposite way with a jet sweep or a fly sweep coming back the other way. If you take a false step against Tyreek Hill or Hartman on a fly sweep, you're not recovered. You don't have time to recover. But you also have to understand what they like to do in the red zone. A lot of three-by-one. Why? Because they want to run sprint out with Patrick Mahomes, sprint out or dash. And they're going to run pick contests when you play man. And it's one thing to say we can pass off pick routes. Okay, again, that sounds great. Let's create the chalkboard. <laughs> but the speed, yep. the speed of Tyreek Hill, when they run number one outside on a slant route or a fake curl, because he's not really an eligible receiver at that point. He's just standing there to block people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tyreek Hill separates immediately on the flat ball, immediately on the flat ball, and he can't recover. And then Patrick Mahomes' ability, when he moves, when you're moving the pocket in three by one, his ability to drift and buy time and let things develop and throw from any platform he wants to and challenge any window he wants to. He gets to play very disciplined coverage. But again, simulated pressure I like in Tampa, 10 to 20 yard line. Inside the low red zone, I like quarters coverage. And then when you get inside the real low red zone, you know, five yard line, and you're going to have to play man. Everyone, mm-hmm. everyone plays man. But what are you going to do with your safeties in that point? And I think that's a key thing to watch how Todd Bowles uses his safeties in the low red zone when they do play man concepts. Can they cut and bracket stuff? Yep. Can they take a player away? And I think you have to do that. But, you know, I was talking with someone this morning, Bill, the toughest part about this team, whether we're talking about the red zone or out into the field, okay, so who are you going to take away? Right. Like we talked about with that quarters lock coverage. Okay, we're going to take away Tyree Kill. Okay, you're going to have to win against Kelsey then, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's take away Kelsey. You're going to have to win against Hill. And what about Hartman? I think Hartman can play a vital role in this football game. Why? Yeah, because he can manufacture touches for manufacture touches for him. Fly sweeps, reverses, screens, shallow drive routes, easy ways to get the football in his hands that he can use his ability, especially his open field ability and his ball carrier vision in the open field mm-hmm. to make plays after the catch. I mean, there's just so many things you have to worry about when you come out of the huddle every time. Yeah. You know, alignment and assignment, what's the down and distance, what's the game situation? Okay, where are all these guys lined up? You know, <laughs> why is Tyreek Hill going in motion? Okay, what, what what's going on here? Why is misdirection going that way? And that's when he brings us back to the red zone because all this stuff happens from a defensive back perspective, mentally, pre-snap. And all this stuff happens post-snap. And if you take a false step or you take a poor angle, it's time to strike up the band because they're in the end zone again. <laughs> You're right. I mean, that's really what it is like. You have to be so good at communicating, so good at passing stuff off, so good at your calls, listening to each other's calls. You have to be so good at, you know, uh, just working as an 11-man unit. And we saw we go. great defenses. The Bills, I mean, the Bills are a great defense. They were not able to do it. We've seen 
The Bucs are a great defense. They weren't able to do it. I mean, it's so hard to do play after play after play for an entire game. We saw the Niners eventually, once their pass rush got tired, things started to break down. Guys started to get beat one-on-one. They missed a couple right. of assignments here and there, and then it was over. I mean, it was it went from being, you know, a 14-10 or 17-10 or whatever it was to being uh, a Chiefs comfortable victory in the course of six minutes. It's it's scary. Um, I want to talk to you about the Chiefs side of things so on defense. Um, I want to talk to you about Steve Spagnuolo because in the first mm-hmm. matchup between these two teams, he was pretty aggressive. And from what I've seen with Steve Spagnuolo, he's going to put you a bunch and he's going to put you more as the game goes on. Because typically the Chiefs are ahead. He's been a guy where I feel like they blitz. They'll, they'll send more six-man pressures. They'll send more even seven-man pressures. They'll play cover zero more frequently mm-hmm. to me in the second half when they're leading than they will in the first half when you might be running the ball. And it's not it's not as a... You know, they don't have that sort of comfort of, hey, if we get burned, at least we still have the lead. Um, they were, I believe the Saints were the two highest blitz rates in football against the Bucks during the regular season. The Chiefs were number three. Um, do you see them blitzing Brady a ton in this game as well? Well, I think that's what the resume of Spags is, right? If you look at what's – if you really wanted to break down what Spags does defensively, I think number one would be pressure, both zone and man pressure. Mm-hmm. Number two would be too deep coverage whether you're playing two-man or cover two. Number three would be late movement in disguise. That's how I'd break down his defense. If someone just asked me, I was walking the street and say, hey, what does Spags do? That's what I would say. Now, obviously, there's a lot more to that, but on surface level, I think that's who they are as a defense. You bring up a great point. In that first game against the Bucs, uh, Chiefs blitz rate was 47.6. That's really high. That's a really high blitz rate. Yeah. Right? He turned the football over in that game. They had five or six snaps of zero-man pressure. And another great point you bring up, Bill, is that's one of the best jobs in the world because you can be ultra-aggressive. You can be ultra-aggressive as a defensive play caller in Kansas City because of what you have in the offensive side of the football. Mm-hmm. Because you know your offense is going to score points, right? Kansas City's going to score points in this football game. So can we heat up Brady and try to create a turnover? I think you're trying to win situational football right. from the perspective of the Chiefs defense. Can we win third and seven attempts? Can we win in the red zone? Can we win two minutes? those type of situations, I think that's where you see your pressure. Mm-hmm. Now, what type of pressure they bring? One thing I've noticed, I think this is a staple of, of Spags' system, and we broke down the matchup show. When they bring their slot pressure with, with rookie corner LeJarrius Sneed, he had a sack in the Cleveland game, he had a sack in the Buffalo game. Yeah. And how they engineer those pressures to get him loose, in both of those games, he was free to the quarterback. And I showed a play from that Atlanta game we were just talking about earlier, you know, towards the end of the season. Again, they got him unaccounted for, mm-hmm. you know, and now you get a free run of the quarterback. And what they do in the back end is great because you're seeing this more and more in the NFL, not a ton yet, but we talk about zone pressure. And usually build zone pressure at any level is three deep, three under. You know, that's your basic zone pressure. Both safety, two corners in the outside third, fire zone, one third coverage. You got your middle hook player, you got two curl players. Yep. What they do is they play quarters match. All right, so you're playing quarters technique behind it. You got two under, underneath defenders that drop out and they pattern match underneath. Mm-hmm. What you can do with that is really muddy the windows for the quarterback. And it protects you over the top. You're protected. You're playing good, sound coverage over the top. You're just playing four deep, two under. Mm-hmm. And I bet you we're going to see that. That was the sack. They, they ran it against Buffalo. We're showing it against in the Atlanta game against Matt Ryan. And they got Snead loose for a blitz. I do think you're going to see the slot pressure. I, I guarantee you. And I can't say that. I can't say that. But you will see some form of slot pressure with Snead. Mm-hmm. And the other times, I think they'll heat him up. And we know the book on Brady. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback uh, probably in the history of the National Football League. Mm -hmm. 
but everyone has a situation where you can attack them. Sure. And with Brady, it's always been getting bodies at his feet, getting defenders at his feet, A and B gap pressure. So you will see A and B gap pressure as well. And when they do just rush four, you know, and we've talked about the Tampa offensive line, uh, defensive line. We get in the matchup show, but let's, let's not forget about Chris Jones, the impact he can have. Oh, yeah. That's another matchup advantage to watch. So when they do spin the cover two, Chris Jones against the guards and Frank Clark, I mean, Frank Clark, has impact traits as a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Frank Clark gets the quarterback twice. Those, those can be impact plays for you as a defense. And the other thing to watch is Tyron Matthew yep. and how they spin him post-snap. They play a lot of what I call two robbers. Some people call it two invert. And, you know, they're a very heavy dime personnel team. That means you got six defensive backs in the field. And what they'll do, Bill, is they'll show pressure. They'll show zero pressure. And all of a sudden, all these guys start spinning and moving. You get Thornhill and Sorensen over the top. And all of a sudden, Tyron Matthews now playing the position of the Mike linebacker, mm-hmm. where he's playing that deep middle hole. But he plays it differently, much differently, because Tyron Matthews, again, has uncoachable traits, like we we're yes. talking about with Mahomes. Tyron Matthews has uncoachable traits, natural playmaking ability, high football intelligence, and the ball skills to finish. So he'll be roving that middle of the field, trying to get in the window of those inbreakers. That's what I think Tom Brady wants to throw. Mm-hmm. You go back to the Week 12 tape, they want to throw inbreakers. Yep. They want to stretch you. They want to stretch you down the field to get those inbreakers open. They'll run double dig routes. They'll run dagger, which is clear out, bring the dig inside. They'll run high-low stretch. When you have Gronk on an over route and the back release underneath to try to occupy that curl defender, that's mm-hmm. what they do. And when Brady has time and he can anticipate windows, he can still light anybody up. We've seen it this year. Of course. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, if Steve Spagnuolo is going to have to deal with Tom Brady throwing deep down the sideline, uh, with contested passes, I think he's going to take that. I think he trusts his cornerbacks, and I think he trusts that they're going to be able to win more often than not in those situations. And, of course, the Bucks have great receivers. Don't want to take anything away from them, but those are tough throws for anybody and tough throws for a 43-year-old Tom Brady in those situations. And you brought up Matthew. I mean, uh, not only is he great in coverage, but also great as a blitzer. I mean, he forced an interception uh, with a pressure in the first game between these two teams where it was a big pressure and it was a throw down the sidelines that Bashad Breeland picked off, I believe, against Mike Evans in coverage. Um, last you year- bring up a great point there, Bill, real quick, bring up a great point because when Brady sees pressure and he sees man pressure, he's throwing the fade ball. That's what yeah. he's doing. He's going to throw the fade ball to Evans. You know what's going to – that's, what he's, that's gonna, where he's going to go. You know, when he's going to throw hot, when he reads zero pressure – He's going to throw the fade ball to Evans. And like you said, it is a 50-50 throw down the field. But off of that, with Tyron Matthew, I think Tyron Matthew has a matchup advantage against both Fournette and Jones in pass mm-hmm. protection. I do. I do. I think those are the matchups he can win. So don't be surprised if Spags rotates Matthew down late to blitz him off the edge where they slide the protection to the blitz side mm-hmm. and get him on the backside blitz to get that one-on-one against Fournette or Jones. And that play you're talking about, was beating him back in protection and impacting mm-hmm. that throw to Brady. He couldn't, he couldn't set his window. He couldn't set his platform to throw, and the ball hung in the air. So yeah. it is a great point, and I think he plays. He has to play a vital role in this game. And you mentioned last week, um, you mentioned that with the running back not getting any protection. Uh, the third interception was Leonard Fournette on a play fake, not getting across quickly enough to stop yeah. Darnell Savage. Brady threw the fade to Evans. Looked like Evans just never turned around, didn't realize that it was going to be coming in hot. And uh, Jair Alexander had one of the easiest picks of his career. Um, 
So maybe right. you get maybe you get to play that way, or maybe you do get to play where Mike Evans just they're they're on the same page, and it's not even a 50-50 ball; it's a ninety-five-five ball for you. Right, right, and to get those plays, you have to be aggressive, right? Exactly. You have to be aggressive as a play caller to create those opportunities, and you will get that from Spags. Mm-hmm. You will get that from Spags, and they'll play two man as well. Yes. You know they're a heavy two man team. Not as much as the Saints were this year. Uh, the Saints led the NFL in two man snaps this year, but the Chiefs will play two man as well. And look, you can play two man against Brady. Can't play. Don't play two man against Mahomes. No. I would never do that. Okay, because Mahomes is going to move, and Mahomes is one of the best scrambling quarterbacks in the NFL as well. But when you have a quarterback, the true pocket player like Tom Brady, you, if Tom Brady pulls the ball down and run, that's a win for you, right? Yep. So. You're going to play. You can play two man. You can be aggressive over the top. You can be grabby in coverage underneath. And another player to watch right now, Bill, is, is Juan Thornhill. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a knee injury at the end of last year. You could tell he's got the explosion back in that knee right now. If you watch the, the, the Buffalo tape, he had a lot of on the ball production. Yep. And that's what you want. If you're a secondary coach, exactly what you want. And he was driving top down the football, show the range from the post, the ability to drive on a deep end breaker and cover two against Stefan Diggs and put a hit on him and knock the ball out. Mm-hmm. That's a player I would watch in this football game, especially when they get to their two deep shells, because he looks like the player he was before the injury. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned them playing a lot of dime personnel, playing with six defensive backs. They get Thornhill, they mm-hmm. get Sorensen on the field. I think they think those are their best 11 players. Now, if you're Bruce Arians, if you're Byron Leftwich, how much or how important is it to you to play 12 personnel in this game? Is it something where you want to try and force them out of that dime, that, that dime package, or you want to try and run on that dime package? I mean, it just seems like forcing them to get fewer defensive backs on the field seems like it would be something that would be a positive for you if you're the Bucks offense. Yeah, I would agree because if you're going to go 11 personnel, which is one running back, one tight end, three wides, you're going to get nine. You're going to get nine. That's what you're going to get from Kansas City. And that's when they're going to heat you up. That's when you use all that late movement, try to steal one in the middle of the field. So I agree with you. I think, you know, once Tampa kind of figured out their offensive identity over the second half of the season, mm-hmm. I think that's where Brady's at his best. I think that goes back to his New England days when you have 12 personnel on the field. You can use power play action. You can use duo play action. Mm-hmm. And you can hit the back foot off of play action. And when Tom Brady does that and he knows the coverage because he's going to see it pre-snap, then he's going to hit the back foot. The ball's going to come out. It's going to be on time, within rhythm, and location's going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. That's how they get their catch and run balls in the middle of the field. That's how you get Brayton and Gronk going as well. But it also plays into the run game. Because yep. we know they're going to run the football. We haven't talked about the run game yet. But Tampa wants to run the football too. They do. And, you know, maybe you and I would probably both agree they probably run it a little bit too much on first down. Yeah, okay, sure. but that's, that's, that's part of their offensive philosophy. They're going to run zone. They're going to run duo. You know, during the playoffs, I know Jones, Ron Jones had an injury, but during the playoffs, Leonard Fournette's averaged 16 carries a game. Yeah. It's a high number. That's a high number. And look, I, I think Fournette, um, you know, he's a downhill runner. He's a north-south guy. That's what he is. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think his contact balance was as was it used to be earlier in his career at Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. But can he get you four or five? Sure he can. Right. We saw against Green Bay, too. He bounced that run outside. Now, I think the defensive secondary is a little surprised to see that run bounce. But he made guys miss at the open field. Got the ball into the end zone as well. So, obviously, having a healthy Ronald Jones, we'll see. But if Ronald Jones is, is fully healthy, Ronald Jones has more juice as a ball carrier. That's very clear on tape. Mm-hmm. I think he, he's a one-speed runner, but he's got more juice than Fournette. But they have a lot of trust in Fournette right now with that run game. And you'll see those dual runs and those zone runs more out of 12 personnel. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, man, I, I think it's their best personnel grouping in general. I, I really do. Um, we'll see. I mean, maybe they'll just stick with 11 personnel and think they're going to win with that. It's not out of the question. But I think that getting more linebackers on the field for Kansas City, you know, maybe having a, a physical mismatch with Gronk, you know, who's not a normal tight end when it comes to blocking people. Um, right. And, and running the ball could be their way to, you know, come about this game. The Chiefs don't have a great run defense. We all know that. Um, but it's been tough for teams to exploit that enough to get the victory over the past couple of years. We even saw the Niners last year, great running team, offensive line advantage, couldn't hold the Chiefs off for the entire game. So Matt, given what we've seen, you've watched the film, you broke it down. Who are you picking for Sunday? I'm picking Kansas City for a couple of reasons. One, Patrick Mahomes and his ability, his movement traits. Uh, because I think he's going to have to move in this game. We talked about it earlier. He, uh, there's times when he voluntarily plays outside of structure. I think he's going to have to play outside of structure more than people believe because of that Tampa defensive front. I think they'll have matchup advantages against those offensive tackles. I think you'll see Todd Bowles, you'll twist stunts, and win with alignment with Sua and Bea inside yep. to occupy interior blockers to get those schemes one-on-ones in the edge. But because of that, Patrick Mahomes, I think he can overcome those issues in pass protection because of that elite movement traits and his ability to play off schedule. And that's where he makes a lot of plays, a lot of plays, both as a scrambler to pick up the sticks in third and two to six situations and explosive plays down the field. And the other reason I think is because it's bags defense. Mm-hmm. I think they will find ways to impact the pocket versus Brady. And when he can't throw on timing and rhythm, when he has defenders at his feet, that's where you can take advantage of him. That's where you can rush throws and that's where you can turn the football over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, I agree. I mean, I, I just, it, it feels like Mahomes has more answers for this defense, no matter what they do, than Brady and the Bucks have for what the Chiefs do on defense. I just, you know, even if you don't get that huge game from Tyreek Hill, just so many different weapons, you got to figure they're going to be better in the red zone. Um, you know, would never want to rule out the Bucks, but uh, I just, I spent all last year, I picked the Niners last year. I spent that entire game rooting against Patrick Mahomes. Say, okay, nothing, <laughs> can't, you know, can't have to count on Patrick Holmes not doing something incredible on this play. And my luck ran out. I felt like a genius for three right. quarters and I was an idiot halfway through the fourth quarter and felt like an idiot <laughs> for the rest of the game. So I said, never again, never doing that myself again. Chiefs get here. I'm picking the Chiefs. If I lose, you know what? That's fine. I'm happy to lose, but I'm going with the Chiefs as well. I think this is going to be Patrick Mahomes' second Super Bowl victory in a row. But you mentioned, Matt, uh, that you break down the games for NFL matchup where and when. Can people check out Matchup and the rest of the work you're doing for us at ESPN? Well, I've got a piece coming out later this week. Um, uh, I, I write a game plan piece. I've done it throughout the playoffs. So I'm mm-hmm. taking three key points for each football team, looking at impact players, and also um, answering some questions later about you know specific game situations and personnel. That'll be out later in the weekend on .com at ESPN. Um, and the Matchup show is Sunday morning, 8.30, ESPN2, with Greg and Sal Pell. Uh, we broke down different parts of the game. Tyreek, Travis Kelsey, obviously Mahomes and Brady. We looked at both defensive fronts. We looked at pressure schemes from both defenses. I think it's a really good show. It flows. It's on all the key aspects of the game. Um, and then on Twitter, I'm at Matt Bowen 41. And I'll start to push out more pieces as the, the week goes on, especially when our, when our pieces are done from the show. I'd like to get those out early uh, up on social. Um, but yeah, that's where you can check me out. And then, uh, We'll see what happens. One thing to mention, though, that we haven't hit on. Okay. The Kansas City run game. Okay, yes. we don't talk about the Kansas City run game a lot. If you go back to the Super Bowl last year, 
you saw the impact of that long run game, especially late in the football game. And I think Kansas City, to me, is almost like the old Patriots teams. Mm-hmm. Okay, the high-end Patriots teams that won championships. Is they can beat you in multiple ways. And I'm not saying this is going to happen, but if the game plays out like this, I don't think Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy would have any problem running inside and outside zone with Edwards, Hilaire, and Williams. I don't. I don't. Getting into 12 personnel and running the football. They have the opportunity to do that as well. And that goes back to what we we're talking about. And the game that reminds me so much about that, Bill, remember it was – remember they played the Bills at like 4 in the afternoon or something like that yep. during the regular mm-hmm. season? Yep. Yeah. And, what, and the weather was poor. It was raining. And what do we see? We saw run the ball for 240 yards. Texans so game they too. Ha- but, yeah. And, and my point is they have that ability to do that. Mm-hmm. They can beat you in so many different ways. And both Reed and Biennemi are so good at adjusting in-game to that. Mm-hmm. And look, they're giving us this. They're going to take away Tyreek over the top. They're going to bracket Kelsey. I'm just having a conversation here. Let's say they do that. Okay, we'll run inside zone. We'll run stretch. And guess what else? We'll throw RPOs off. That's the other thing I wanted to mention. Yep. The RPO game. Now, the RPO game for a lot of teams is just sprinkled in, right? It's another element to your game plan. Everyone understands that. I think it'll be a big factor in this game. And the reason I would run RPOs against Tampa is because of their linebacker speed, uh, you know, with White and Levante David at the second level. Mm-hmm. These guys can get to the football like you wouldn't believe. They take proper angles, they take cut off and force angles to cut that ball off on the edge when you run stretch schemes. Mm-hmm. So run the stretch scheme, get them moving, and guess what you get? Now you get an open window to throw a quick glance route. And a glance route is like, yeah, it's almost like a skinny post kind of. Right. But you're throwing it to Tyree Kill. You know, we saw it in the Week 12 game. Tyreek's explosive play against the Bills, that 70-something yarder, was RPO glance. So they have that opportunity as well. But to do that, that becomes part of your run game package. Right. So we'll see if that pops up as well. But I wrote about that because I do think that's much more just an add-on than the Kansas City game plan. That's a big part of their game plan and who they are offensively. You heard it from the man himself. The best in the business when it comes to the stuff you want to learn more about football every single week, but especially for the Super Bowl. Follow Matt Bowen on Twitter and watch NFL Matchup, the best TV show when it comes to understanding football. You'll be a smarter fan, you'll be a more informed fan, and you'll enjoy the game more. It, it becomes more fun when you actually have an idea of what's going on. So, Matt Bowen, you know it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Bill. Enjoy the game. Thanks, buddy. All right, thanks so much again to my guests, two former pros, two smart people. If you want to understand football, Super nice, uh, super thoughtful guys when it comes to understanding the game. Um, Jeff Schwartz covering the offensive line and the running game. Matt Bowen covering the passing game, passing defense. Excellent, excellent follows on Twitter. Excellent minds when it comes to the stuff they write, the stuff they have on video. Anything those guys do, check it out. Guys, we're here. Super Bowl is on the way. So excited. One game left. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hope the team you're rooting for wins. I know that it's possible that we'll have people rooting for both teams, but I hope that you guys get a fun game. Hope you guys enjoy it. And thanks so much for listening this year. We will be back during the offseason. More football audio on the way. But thanks so much for a unique, weird season in so many ways. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope it kept you entertained a little bit during some tough times. Hopefully better times ahead in 2021 and more interesting stuff happening with the NFL. So many more trades to come. We'll be talking about it here on the Bill Barnwell Show. Thanks so much for listening.